and I've also driven through there before and just you know what's funny about Humboldt is you can drive in there in uh, any little settlement and uh, you can meet locals and you know you just become uh, pals for a, a half an hour. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Billy Bob Thornton and his bandmate JD Andrew are charming as hell. Their band, the Boxmasters, are going to be playing some straight ahead rock and roll at the Arcata Theater Lounge May 9th. And you know, these guys are legit musicians, and I'm super happy the conversation didn't turn into some invasive TMZ type BS. They're professional, they're talented, they're friendly, they're funny, they're patient because we had some technical difficulties at the beginning. Uh, drinking Blood, Kanye West, Willie Nelson's bus, gawking, a songwriting disease, and a blushworthy moment all made it into this fun conversation along with the discussion of musical backgrounds. This is a special Humboldt Last Week interview brought to you in part by Tiny House in the Redwoods, Beck's Bakery, Bell Star Clothing, North Coast Co-op, Bongo Boy Studio, Photography by Shy, Kim Kemp, and The Journal. Here they are, J.D. Andrew and Billy Bob Thornton of the Boxmasters. All right, we're hooked into the venue Wi-Fi. We're sitting in the balcony uh-huh. of the theater. Uh-huh. And... Uh, See how this works. Yeah, yeah. You might as well like take a helicopter up there. You're you're so high right now. <laughs> I think we're gonna be okay I'm now. I'm walking up the stairs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you were talking about help. I'm alive in the studio. Um, uh, and the the engineering work and everything. Is that is that done at a single studio down in L.A. that you always use? Well, we for years uh, we uh, in the beginning of the Boxmasters we had our own studio that I had bought from Slash, and uh, we recorded the first couple of records there. And then for, and then uh, we've sold that studio, and uh, we recorded over A&M in Hollywood. And we made most of the Boxmasters records there, including Help I'm Alive. And uh, uh, during the pandemic, we recorded three records, and that was one of them. Uh, and, you know, it's a world-class studio, a very famous studio. And... Uh, it was great, but then recently, uh, last May, we bought our own studio again out in Agora Hills, and it's uh, a real, a real dandy. So we've recorded about thirty songs there so far, and um, so, you know, it's a it's a it's a great place. And like I said before, it's it's pretty much just me and JD in there, and um, you know, we play everything, sing everything, and. JD engineers it. So um, it's just incredible because you talk to some musicians who had serious writing block during the pandemic. It was almost like, hey, you have all this time. You probably should just be pouring out music. And some people just had a tough time with it. <laughs> but it's it seemed like it just came to you. Well, we we had actually a writing disease during the pandemic. I mean, <laughs> we we couldn't we couldn't stop writing. Uh, and, uh, you know, and not every song was about the pandemic. I mean, they were, you know, sometimes influenced by it because, you know, you get pretty reflective when you're isolated. And uh, so some of the songs uh, on Help Them Alive, I would say that, you know, there aren't like songs that are virus related, but there are songs that, uh, you know, during that period of time, we were, uh, uh, you know, the country was going through a lot of sort of political changes, you know. And so some of the songs relate to that. And then some are just boy-girl songs, you know, just like rock and roll started. Right, right. Well, yeah, and, you know, talking about the production a little bit again, you know, just how amazing it sounds. Um, And you were saying how J.D., you know, he's got a lot of experience with that. Uh, You know, in doing my homework, I I found that uh, J.D. is actually a certified Grammy winner 
after working on a few songs with Kanye <laughs> back in the day? Uh, I know that's, you know, and you mentioned it's, you guys are rock and roll, but, uh, you know, JD, what was that process like, you know, throwing a little hip hop elements in there? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the studio I worked at was the record plant. It was a very famous studio. And, you know, it was just, honestly, it was another day of work for me on the schedule. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this was before Kanye was, you know, a big, uh, what thing a thing yeah an item <laughs> thing, an entity. You know, um, <laughs> yeah exactly um you know and it, it honestly it wasn't the most pleasant experience of my life and uh you know it was kind of uh embarrassing when my name did show up on the record mm-hmm. but uh you know it does allow you to say grammy award-winning recording <laughs> right which you know yeah there's some people that you work with and you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, that guy must have been an absolute gentleman. Um, but I, I just know, I don't know if he's the first person <laughs> that comes to mind. <laughs> no, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, a great time, but you know, I did, you know, over the years of working at the Rector plant, worked with a lot of amazing people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, things, you know, everything, every experience that you have in the studio can lead to, you know, something you can reflect back on, you know, later on. So some of that stuff that I did with Kanye or the Pussycat Dolls or the Rolling Stones, you know, all that, all those things, (laughs) you know, definitely have helped out. Know how to make that bass really shine through in the mix after a a Kanye track. But uh, (laughs) so I know you Uh, fellas, uh, you know, you've been doing a lot of shows, you've been touring, you've been making music. Uh, but now that the world is open a little bit and you live down there in that gold mine of music that is L.A., have you guys been going to any shows? No, we've really just uh, been working as much as possible in the studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's we really didn't start recording in the new place until probably October or November because uh, we had to get everything out of storage and all the gear set up and hooked up and refurbished and and the guy that we had doing that you know is a very in-demand uh technical engineer and so we would see him about once a month but we would work as much as we possibly could without whatever was ready to go just we would get stuff done and we just started writing songs immediately and recording them in whatever way we could Mm -hmm. and then as you know as the months went along we uh would go back and finish other things off. And so we did finish the first 13 of the songs a couple of days before rehearsal started for the tour. And I dropped off the tapes at mastering the morning that we left out on the bus to go to Oklahoma. And so we've got a record all ready to go. It's slated for May 5th, 2023 already. And, uh, you know, we're excited about that. You know, too bad that it takes a year to get, you know, another record. It's exactly one year from today, I guess. (laughs) Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's exciting to, uh, already have something to look forward to. So we know that we're going to have a record released. We're going to start a tour next spring as well. And, uh, you know, keep the ball going. Tons of creative juices flowing. You know, I was going to say us musicians, um, we all remember those like first instruments that we learned on back in the day, you know, the rooms that we learned in the people around us back then, you know, the community's relationship with music where we were growing up. So, you know, each of you one at a time, I mean, I'll start with JD, you know, what brought you to rock and roll in Kansas, JD? Well, I started 
my my school I, I went to school in the middle of a cow pasture on top of a hill <laughs> out in the middle of uh central kansas really with nothing around but my school was a really big vocal music school and our teacher was also the local stagehand union boss president whatever you want to call him and so he would bring some of us high school kids to work at concerts in uh, the bigger town around us. And so I got to work with, you know, people like Kenny Rogers or the Gatlin brothers or stuff, you know, just loading trucks and stuff for them. And that was really my first experience with, you know, concert sound and things like that. And as the years went, you know, performing and playing in bands and just doing all that, I just really wanted to make records. And so, um, you know, there wasn't really a place to make records in central Kansas. So I went to school in Florida and then moved to Nashville for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine there said, Hey, if I really want to make records, I need to move to LA. And so I did. And the woman that gave me my first job in LA ended up being Billy's music manager for a time. And she asked me to come do overdubs with him for about two weeks, mm -hmm. starting in 2006. And, uh, yeah, 16 years later, we're still still doing it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that fella who who brought you out to shows over there in Kansas in the city nearby, and sometimes that's what it takes. It's like just knowing somebody that's influential enough to to give you that passion. Um, so yeah, and Billy, how about you? What brought you to rock and roll over there in Arkansas? Yeah, I grew up in and around Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, you know, it was a very rich musical town I lived in. It was called Malvern, Arkansas, and. Uh, they had a lot of bands there when, when we were little kids, you know, they used to have these street dances there mm -hmm. where they would rope off parking lots and, uh, have street dances. They had all these bands like the Yardleys, the cadets and the Beethovens and the Senate's, uh, LSD and the illusions, you know, all these bands that we really loved as kids. And when we saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, I mean, that was it for everybody yeah. at that point, you know, it was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I was in bands at the time I was, you know, 11 or 12. And, um, so, you know, we started out doing street dances and proms and, uh, every now and then, you know, college fraternity parties and, you know, things like that. And so I would be the drummer in some bands. I was a singer in some bands, sometimes both. And, um, started writing songs actually pretty early on because I caught on to this whole Lennon McCartney idea. That's like songwriting is where it's at, you know? Yeah. And, um, so even, even in my band as a teenager in high school, uh, we, we wrote original songs. And then of course, you know, we also played Freebird and <laughs> LaGrange and everything else too. But what was that band uh, called in high school? Well, I was in several different ones. I was in one called Hotlanta, uh, -huh. uh even though we weren't from Atlanta. And, uh, <laughs> that was a tribute to the Allman brothers. Uh -huh. And, um, uh, I was in a band called the McCoveys, which was named after Willie McCovey, a baseball player. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, cause it sounded like the McCoys that Rick Derringer was in that did hang on Sloopy. And, uh, I was in a band called nothing doing, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, eventually got in a band that was a tribute act for ZZ Top. And back in those days, it blew in the blue velvet. Oh, and I, yeah, I played with blue in the blue velvet, uh -huh. which was a soul band. I was the only white guy in the band. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we played uh, sort of, well, with my rock and roll world and their sort of soul and funk world, we would do 
versions of like say grand funk railroad but we did funk versions of them Mm -hmm. you know and uh and then we would take funk songs and we would do rock and roll versions of those (laughs) so So fun uh, which actually came into play with the Boxmasters later on, you know, taking hillbilly songs and making British invasion versions of them and things like that. But one way or the other, uh, you know, I grew up that way and then eventually became a roadie and worked for a lot of, you know, big bands. I worked for a sound company out of Little Rock and uh, worked as a little skinny, long-haired hippie uh, roadie <laughs> and uh, worked with a nitty-gritty dirt band and Pure Prairie League and, B.W. Stevenson, Lighthouse, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, a lot of people. And so I learned the road pretty early on. And back in those days, a lot of times local bands were put on as the opening act for big names. So, you know, by the time I was 16 or 17, we'd played, you know, for 20,000, 30,000 people at festivals in front of, you know, big name bands and stuff. So oh. I got used to it pretty, pretty early. Jeez, that first time doing that, that just must have been just gut-wrenching. That has to be hard. Oh, it was it, it was terrifying, and uh, you know I I remember one of the first ones we did. We were on a, on a festival stage with the Earl Scruggs Review and Richie Havens oh and uh, uh, God, I think Blood Rock and the Amboy Dukes. Uh, you know, before it was Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes, uh-huh. and uh, so yeah, it was. We were we were scared to death, and um, I remember opening a. A festival once at 9 a.m. in the blazing heat. Oh my gosh! Uh, and, you know, like with 25,000 people out in this field, like a you know, like a mini Woodstock. And we were the first band on at 9 a.m. And it was really hot there in Arkansas. It was uh, outside of Little Rock, and really humid. And we went out there first for this giant crowd and the, the headliners were black Oak, Arkansas and the Kate brothers. And I think blood rock. And, uh, so it was, it was pretty daunting. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Not that>. right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's just, sometimes it just takes that first time. Right. And then after that, it feels a little easier oh, yeah. the second time. And yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we ended up opening for black Oak, Arkansas and humble pie and, you know, people like that over the years. And, uh, so, you know, I, I'm glad that I did that early mm-hmm. because it keeps you from being terrified now because we still open for big name bands sometimes when we're not doing our, when we're on our own tour, but some of the shows will be opening. Yeah. And we open for ZZ, ZZ Top quite a bit and we've opened for Steve Miller and Elvis Costello, you know, a lot of people. And, yeah. <clears throat> but now it doesn't scare us anymore uh, because we're used to it, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, but it's still fun to play, uh, like we did a little, you know, tight club last night in Reno and, you know, like with three or 400 people, it was just packed. And sometimes those can be even more fun than, than doing the big shows because you can actually connect with the audience more. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned, um, ZZ Top and I know that you did all those ZZ Top covers back in the day and that you're both fans, uh, you know, and the song Sharp Dressed Man kind of comes to mind because you guys often really dress up at your shows. Um, is that is that like how you came on to that? Like you just wanted to be sharp dressed men? What? No, that came from being Beatles fans. That, uh, you know, that came from like in the old days, you know, they all wore suits. You know, if you look at those bands on the Ed Sullivan show, I mean, like the Animals or the Beatles or, you know, the Kinks, whoever it was, they all, everybody in the band dressed alike. So, 
when we started the box masters, we wanted to do that, uh, you know, out of a, you know, a tribute to the, uh, British invasion bands, particularly the Beatles. So those suits that we wore over the years in the beginning of the box masters were actually Chelsea suits and Chelsea boots from Liverpool oh, awesome. uh, that we got. And, uh, so those were actual Beatles suits. Uh, we don't wear them anymore. We went a different direction. Uh, we're, a little, we're a little closer to the ZZ Top look now because uh, <clears throat> we, all alike. we all still dress alike, but now we wear mechanic shirts, mm-hmm. and uh, and they have our name on it. You have like a name patch, like if you know if you go in to get your car fixed, and the guy's name is Gus or oh, whatever yeah, his yeah. name on it. Yeah, so we have a patch like that, and then on the other side of the shirt, it's got a patch that has our astrological sign, and then on the back is a, the Boxmasters logo on a big patch, and um, so they're they're basically just dicky shirts with patches on them, and we wear jeans and black boots and uh, have mechanic rags hanging out of our pockets, you know. Oh, different styles. And, I like uh, it. I like it. Everyday men. What it is, Miles, we're now men of the people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And uh, after the show, you could go work on work on a couple cars. And Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we went from being fancy to, to uh, auto mechanics. There you go. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, touring with some really big names. And, uh, you know, Willie Nelson, of course, you've, you've toured with him. Um, and even uh-huh. did a documentary about him, both of you. Um, you know, just, I've got to ask, what's it like chilling in a room with Willie? Uh, well, when you go on Willie's bus, you come out different than you went on it. (laughs) (laughs) I think Humboldt knows a little something about that. Yeah. I I think Humboldt does know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that Willie doesn't have a house there is shocking to me. Same. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, yeah, we toured with Willie and we're not exactly a perfect fit with Willie, you know, be simply because. Uh, you know, his audience, you know, tends to, you know, listen to Willie Nelson music. Yeah, and, old school uh, country. Yeah. We're, we're a little, we're a little bigger and louder and more rock and roll, but somehow it worked out. And, uh, because he does have a variety of types in his audience, you know, you, he's got everybody from grandmothers to bikers. So, uh, so it worked out pretty nice. And, um, and the documentary never came out because of, uh, different, uh, sort of licensing uh things that uh we were told in the beginning wouldn't be a problem but it was a problem mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so I was gonna say. basically to finish this documentary we would have to pay millions of dollars for the music rights of things that we put in oh geez that's tough yeah, yeah so who knows if it'll ever come out yeah maybe a book or something you know i, I hate to give unsolicited advice yeah. but i'd love to read it you know right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well uh, you know, the good news is, is we do have the documentary and for pals and stuff. We can show it to them. So maybe one day you'll, you'll see it just with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, last main question, um, you know, something I've dealt with as a, a broadcaster who also happens to play music, you, you know, whenever, um, I released music last year, it was a challenge to get people to think of me that way. Um, and then clearly, you know, you've both been deeply rooted in music for your whole lives, but you're also known for other things. Um, you know, is, is that a challenge for the box masters moving forward is, Hey, you know, Hey, we're musicians first. Well, well, you know, it used to be, but it's not anymore. I mean, 
in the beginning of the band, and even on my solo tours before that, I mean, I think it was probably worse when I was doing the solo tours uh, before we formed the Box Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, in the beginning of the band, that was something that, you know, a lot of people would just show up to gawk like a, at a you know, at the monkey in the cage, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but that pretty much, you know, we developed quite a following and you know we're we're selling records have a lot of momentum we're going to drink blood on stage (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) right a bat eat a bat or something yeah there there was some of that no aussie stuff yeah that that kind of went away i mean these days i mean you still get some of the uh, you know the cats that sell autographs to the internet you know uh, we still get some of those when we show up in a town who have like posters of movies or whatever but uh, the audience has now come because it's the box bastards playing and we're, we're really proud of that. And, uh, you know, our fans who follow us around the country, we have some people that go from city to city to see us like deadheads. And so the, you know, the audience is usually full of people wearing box masters shirts and stuff like that. And, uh, so that, that's kind of disappeared over the years. Hell yeah. You know, I mean, when, when you, I mean, when you don't go away, when you've put out 12 albums, it, it becomes pretty obvious that they <laughs> stop talking about the other <laughs> Yeah, stuff. the more that you've kept yeah. it real, the more people, like real people, have started right. showing. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, I like that. So um, you, you mentioned it's just like, it's you too, obviously. Um, do you have fellas touring around with you right now, joining you on stage? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we have Kirk McCam on lead guitar and uh, Raymond Hardy on bass. Uh, and uh, we have a new drummer. Uh, who uh, is terrific, who we call the Red Panda. His name is Nick, but um, uh, he's a kid out of uh, Virginia Beach, and uh, he's just such a sweetheart and very funny and a great drummer and fits in the band so well. So at this point, uh, we feel we have the best band and crew we've ever had uh, on this tour. We have a couple of new crew members who are also kids. It's like you know, when you bring some youth into it, it gives it a different kind of energy. And uh, we pick on them a lot, mm-hmm. but they're re- they're and they love it. Yeah. Well, good. Hey, uh, as a as a former roadie, you know, you got to watch out. They're going to be expecting you to put them in the band eventually. Because. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? Well, our, Raymond, our bass player, was a part of the crew. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, was, oh, really? Yeah, right. Dang, that's awesome. Oh, Raymond, our, our bass player, Raymond, for years was our guitar tech. Oh, that's bad. And uh, he, he's now our bass player, and he's a hell of a bass player. And um, But it, it's the one thing that's different on the last two tours, this tour anyway, uh, is uh, that we're now five pieces opposed to six, which we normally were, uh, because we decided we're really a guitar band. We, we use a lot of keyboards on the records, but uh, live sometimes the keyboards just serve to be a noise in the middle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so this year we didn't bring uh, a keyboard player Mm -hmm. and, um, that's the one difference, but honestly, uh, we don't miss it. JD plays Mellotron on, on a couple of songs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, other than that, uh, we don't really have keyboards on stage anymore. Uh, for, I mean, as a steady diet. Yeah, you know? keep that core rock sound going. I love it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, it, it, unless there's anything else you guys want to mention, um, you know, just thank you so much for taking the time to chat, and we're so excited to see you in Arcata. Well, cool. Well, Thanks, it's man. good to talk. Well, I will add one more thing. Oh, please. When I was when I was growing up, you know, you always want to, if you hear somebody has a name, 
that you like, you always wish that your parents had named you that. <laughs> yeah. And one of the names that I wish my parents had named to me was Miles. Really? Why? Why do you like? <laughs> yeah. Why do you like the name Miles? I, I, it, it sounds important. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. It sounds fancy. It sounds British. It sounds you know. Oh what I mean? shoot, and, man! Uh, oh, you're making me blush. And I was you. I was such a I was such a British Invasion fan, you know. I thought Miles, man. I wish I'd been named Miles. It's a you know? music was, name too. I, I, mean, I mean, Miles Davis. It, it is. Yeah, so. Oh, of course, yeah. absolutely, man. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to pass that along to you. <laughs> Thanks, Billy, and uh, thank you, JD. Thank you both so much, and I hope you guys travel super safe. And I just can't wait to hear the tunes. Oh, cool, buddy. Thanks, Thanks bud. We appreciate it.